Welcome to the My Personal Football Coach Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast, Episode 8 with Stephen Constantine. Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, Saul here. Welcome back to another episode of the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast. Now this week we've got a great guest, someone I'm really excited about having on the show. Someone who's a real inspiration to me and I think uh, many other coaches and aspiring coaches around the world. Stephen Constantine, he's uh, worked in domestic football in England, Greece and Cyprus. And more importantly now, he's carved himself out a career at the very highest levels of the game, working in international football, currently head coach of the Indian national team. So he's got lots of valuable insight and advice to share to anyone interested in coaching and aspiring to be a coach or player development at all levels. He's got so much experience, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, in terms of me, again, it's been really another busy month. It's been great uh, beginning of 2017. We're setting up some uh, partnership clubs. We're not only pro clubs here in England and in, in Europe, but also many other grassroots clubs in England and around the world and in America and Canada. So if you're interested in seeing how we can help your club uh, take your players to the next level with some e-learning opportunities and technical training, just drop us a line. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So Stephen Constantine, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Um, can you just give us a brief outline of your playing and coaching career? Uh, playing career, um, grew up in uh, North London, uh, I went to school at Southgate, um, played, um, oh, I played, I had trials at Chelsea and Millwall, um, played a couple of games for Millwall um, uh, and one or two trial games for Chelsea. Uh, family moved to Cyprus when I was uh, 17. Um, I, I, we lived in Cyprus for, for uh, a few years. I played for IL, um, made a couple of first team appearances, uh, got selected for the under 23 national team. Um, but uh, I was asked to do 26 months in the army um, in order to get my Cypriot nationality, which obviously I didn't particularly want to do. Um, headed over to the States. Um, I played for the New York Freedoms, which was a, a, a big um, a big club in New York at the time. Um, had a spell with the Pennsylvania Stoners, which was in the American Soccer League. And um, played in and around the New York area for 10 years before I snapped my cruciate ligament. Um, but I had... Uh, um, realized uh, quite early on that um, I wanted to be in the game and um, obviously uh, coaching is the next next best thing to playing I would say so um, I had done my D license which is a youth license in the US um, I did the C the B um, and then I headed over to England uh, um, um, to uh, this is after the injury uh, obviously I, I, I coached in the US at under 16 under 17 and I had the spell as um, assistant coach at CW Post, uh, University in New York. Um, and the, 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 
problem then at the, in, in the United States was the uh, the professional soccer scene was not great, so there, there, there wasn't really many opportunities for, for, for coaching. So I came back to England, I did my... Um, uh, my prelim, my intermediate, and then I did my full badge, and then the UEFA conversion. And since then, I've I've, I've done all my um, courses. Uh, I got my pro license in uh, 2003. Um, and in between, or while I was doing that, I was uh, I came back to Cyprus and I was coaching fourth division, third division, second division, uh, youth teams, um, academies. Uh, um, First division in Cyprus. Um, I then got an opportunity to uh, to head out to Asia, and um, I think I was 37 when I got my first uh, national team job in Nepal. Um, and I've had six national teams since then: club teams in Greece, Cyprus, uh, and in England. And um, I'm back in India for the second spell. Fantastic. So um... it's the short version. <laughs> How would you describe your playing and coaching philosophy? I like to attack teams. Um, I, I, I like to be the one asking the questions. Um, but your philosophy, um, you can play however you want, but you need to have the players to play that way. Um, and um, I, I guess if you go through uh, all of my teams, I've left them in a better state than when I found them. But most of these teams uh, have been uh, teams that are fighting for survival or um, trying to um, uh, make a name for themselves um, in, in, on the international stage and, uh, and at club football. So it, it's, it's not always about your philosophy. It's about the players that you have and are they able to play the particular way and do you change your philosophy going to a club or a national team or is it the other way around uh, I, I think there are a lot of um, uh, points in there that you have to consider has that changed over the years with your your experience your your, your ideal plan philosophy uh, yes and no um, I, I, I will always want to be the team attacking but um, that's not always uh, how it pans out I mean if you're if you're um, India and you're playing Iran I can attack uh, and want to attack all I want but um, realistically you're going to be on the back foot for most of the game so um, I, I think it's uh, um, a, a question of um, you deciding what your team is good at um, and try to, 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 to work on the good points and obviously try to hide the things that you're not so good at. So I, I think it evolves all the time. It's always evolving. So can you tell us about your first role in pro football? What was your first first uh, job you had? Well, that was fourth division team in Cyprus. Um, they uh, they practiced three times a week on a, on a dirt field. Um, <laughs> the players were older than me. Uh, and it was quite difficult um, telling a 36-year-old who played uh, seven or eight times for the national team in Cyprus how to time his runs and, and when to let go of the ball type thing. So, um, but I learned a lot from those guys um, and I learned how to deal with uh, um, uh, players older than me, more experienced than me. And, and, and the common thing is if you know what you're talking about, that they'll accept you and they'll allow you to lead them. So, I mean, you mentioned it there. And what were really the main challenges in your early career, do you think, looking back now? I, I, I think um, 
Well, in, in, in some cases, uh, people say, well, where did you play and um, what's your background in terms of professional football? And okay, I played uh, professionally in the US, but not very long. Um, uh, I had um, a lot of teams where I was, uh, we were training uh, in, in the morning and I'd, I'd, I'd have to go and work in the afternoon. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people um, question whether you know what you're talking about um, in terms of uh, how you want the team to play and your training methodology. But once they see you at work, um, players are not stupid. Um, they know when somebody knows what they're doing and they know when somebody doesn't know what they're doing. So I think it's you, 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 you always have to go out and prove yourself when you have had a background like me. And what would you say? The what would you say would say of that the um, mistakes you made, or what are the common mistakes you think young coaches make when they're going into roles like like you've been in yourself? What you're looking back now? I I think um, it's copying or someone else's training session. So you see all these coaches, or they they want to go and see um, Bayern Munich train, or they want to go and see Arsenal train, or they want to go and see Brazil train. Um, and you know you, you you watch them train and you think wow this is brilliant um, and you go back and you, you you copy that session down to you know the, the even where the the cones were placed and the balls uh, and and you go and do that with your team and your intention is 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 spot on but do you know what the coach wanted from his session do you have the quality of the players that they had in their session. So you, you may example, go and see Jose Mourinho and think, wow, what a great session. And you go back and you try that um, with your club. Maybe it's a League One club, maybe it's a League Two club, maybe it's a, a, a non-league side. Um, and it doesn't work well, because you don't have the thought process of uh, the manager that you've just gone to see. And unless you have time with the manager to say, well, why did you do that? And why was this? And why was that? Um, and of course, then you go back to the, the, the level of quality that the, the particular coach you're watching is, is, is dealing with. So, 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 so speaking about that then, where, where did your philosophy come from? Who did you learn from? Where's, you know, how's you mould your, your own vision about training and players? Look, I, 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 I was brought up um, through the FA. Um, and I, I know a lot of people uh, criticise the courses, but I think... Um, they are very good um, in, in terms of helping you plan, organize. Can you can you do what you do on a on a on a FA course? Can you do that at a club? Absolutely not. Um, but it gives you the, the the setup, the organization, the methodology, uh, and then it's how you put on the session um, to deliver to the players. Um, who, who I, I admire a great many uh, uh, managers. I mean, everyone talks about, you know, the, the, the shall we say, the winners. Um, but you've got to look at um, uh, your Steve Bruce, your Mark Hughes, your Allardyce, these guys, uh, uh, Tony Pulis. Um, these are all guys that um, have, have uh, my respect uh, simply because they are doing it um, year in, year out, um, don't have money compared to the top seven or eight teams, um, keeping teams in, 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 in the division. 
I mean, uh, the, the, you know, the lad Eddie Howe has, has, has done brilliant at Bournemouth. Um, I, I love the way Wenger uh, uh, has come in and done what he's done for 20 years. I think Klopp is, is, is a great manager. Diego Simeone. Um, uh, can you copy any of these? I, I don't think you can. Do you have similar traits with some of these guys? Um, yeah, I would like to think I have similar traits with some of them. Um, and, I, and I just think that um, coaching is a personal thing. You and me could put on the same session and it would be completely different because of your personality and what you expect and what you want from the players as opposed to what I would expect and want from the players. So um, at the end of the day, is, are you getting results um, in, in your particular area? Um, so uh, I, I think anybody um, that I can learn from is, is, is somebody that I'd be interested in. That. So, how, I mean, how do you then, I mean, as an international manager working at the highest level, how do you, you know, develop yourself continually? How do you develop, you know, what's your PDP, as it were? Well, look, I, th I think you're always looking at other people uh, um, and seeing what they do and seeing what works. Uh, I, have, um, I have a very good staff around me. Um, the best, I think, that I could possibly get. Um, with with the with, with the budget, and I wouldn't change them, even if I had uh, um, loads of money. Um, I, I I I'm always reading. I'm always looking to 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 see how I can improve myself, and um, and the 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 guys around me are doing the same thing. So I, I think you never you never stop learning. Um, sometimes it's more difficult because as a, a national coach, you're supposed to know everything. Um, people look up to you and, 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 and want you to be telling them what to do when, um, you know, there, there, there are many times where you think, well, I'd like to see what they do and, and, and how they're doing. So I, I, I think it's a continuous process. I just want to go now and like uh, you had a time at, at Bournemouth in the academy. Was that right? Yeah, I had um, somebody who I learned a great deal from, a guy called Joe Roach. Um, and Joe's still there, um, although he'd left for some time, but he's gone back. Um, very, very good coach, very organized, um, and, and he gave me the opportunity. And um, so, for, I'm sure so, what, so, sorry to interrupt you, mate. Just so, what, so, what, obviously, just tell us what your role was. But obviously, another thing is that obviously, a lot of people think working in academy football is very glamorous. Uh, obviously, what's the reality at Bournemouth and all this? And then, thirdly, just one of that is that. What was then? What was that like being at the other end of you know? Obviously, you used to you're used to working in the first team, or you know, and then now you're, you're developing players. So, what's, what was the difference in that in your approach there? Okay, well, I I, I will go with your last question first. Um, I think me personally, I'm about developing players while I'm in first team, second team, third team, youth team academies. I think. Yeah. Um, you are developing players even if you're a senior coach. Um, I mean, in, in India, um, I, I gave 30 international debuts uh, in the last two years. Um, the youngest player ever to play for the Indian national team was under me, 16 years old. And the third youngest player ever to play for India was given by me um, uh, about this time last year. So uh, I'm all about developing players. Uh, it doesn't matter where I am. Um, going back to your your second question, um, my role at Bournemouth was um, initially the under-15 
coach and um, handling the age groups underneath that. Um, and obviously, Joe Roach was the director. Uh, they then offered me to be the assistant director of the academy, um, which uh, I probably would have taken had I not had the offer to go to be India's national team manager. Um, what's it like um, being at the top end um, is absolutely awesome. Um, and what's it like in academies? I think the most of the coaches in the academies are greatly undervalued, hugely underpaid, and um, I, I do not think that their work is completely respected. Um, it is by me because the uh, the skilled coaches or the the, the coaches that see these uh, five, six, seven year olds for the first time. They are, they are the most important people that are going to hook these kids for the rest of their lives. Um, and you have some excellent, excellent um, youth coaches who um, you don't hear about them. Uh, they don't get great money, um, but they're out there every day, come rain, come shine, uh, dealing with irate parents, dealing with parents who think their kids are going to be superstars, and dealing with all that, that nonsense that they have to deal with and they have to be politically correct, and they have to uh, uh, um, uh, make sure that they don't do anything that would uh, bring the club or themselves into this. It's, it's, it's a tremendous responsibility, um, being a youth coach, and they really, really do have my respect. Okay, so, and so and, and just on to another job you had in England, one of the other ones is uh, you, you, you worked at Millwall. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, that experience? <laughs> Millwall was... Um, a fantastic experience um, for me. Uh, it was the first time in my in my career that I was an assistant, um, and um, uh, it was good and it was bad. Um, there were things that obviously I would like to have done differently, um, and it was a real bad time for me. Well, I think they've gone through uh, uh, they were, that year. We went through three managers and three chairmen. Um, and it was a very, very difficult time for the club. But um, look, it was a bit of a culture shock uh, for me because I came uh, from being the national team manager in India to first team coach, um, from being somebody who said, this is how we're going to do it, to somebody said, well, why don't we do this? You know, um, that, that for me was very difficult, you know, walking into the room in India and players say, hi boss, and then walking into the canteen in uh, Millwall and, you know, who are you? Uh, so so it, it was a bit of a culture shock for me uh, for the first two or three months, but um, uh, the more I got used to the mentality, although I'm English, I've been away for a long time and... Um, uh, you really do have to um, change how you think and what you say um, from one country or one continent to the other. So it was very difficult, but um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the Millwall fans, personally to me, were absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, it's great to see uh, uh, Dave Livermore is uh, assistant manager there now, and um, I really hope that uh, he's able to... Um, um, along with the manager, get things going for Millwall. So how did that how did that position come about? That the Millwall job. How did you get? Well, I had applied for the manager's job, and um, um, basically, I was told that um, uh, Steve Claridge was going to get the job, um, and um, 
when he left, uh, I think it was uh, 40, 44, 45, 46 days afterwards, um, I was asked if I would be interested in the first team coach's position. Um, I was also a uh, reserve team manager as well. Um, so I said, yeah, I, I would be. I had just come back from India, so it was a great opportunity. And um, Colin, Colin Lee gave me the opportunity to, to be the first team coach. And so what did that look like then in terms of in your in practice your role there i mean did you, you know, how did how did that translate to like training and game day and things like that well basically i i i, I did about 80 percent of the the sessions um um for the team um obviously the manager would come in and do a few sessions now and again and we had dave tuttle there as well um but i did the majority of or of the sessions um i, I it was sometime uh, late september when i when i went and they were winless. Okay. And so what would you say were the, the main uh, differences between working in Cyprus and working in England? Um, well, as I said, I, I, I'd come from the national team of India and went to Millwall. But so, so yeah, look... I mean, but the, I mean the, as, a, as in a domestic league, then obviously we're yeah, talking about the internet. Yeah, well, look, uh, in England, everything is 100 miles an hour. Um, you... Uh, Games are thick and fast. You're playing uh, within the space of a week, uh, two, sometimes three games. Um, the training is is more about keeping players motivated, uh, ticking over. Um, a lot of um, a lot of games, and you you can't train them so hard when you're playing um, so many games. So uh, the mentality as well uh, in England is you know win at all costs. Um, the training is quite quite quick, um, and I don't think there are uh, too many places in the world where they they, they train um, the way they do in England um, in, in terms of uh, intensity. So, um, so how do you deal with that then, as a coach, with uh, such little turnaround time between each game, and you know? Well, I mean, I I I I would want to put on. Uh, um, technical training sessions if you like um, I, I like to replicate parts of the game so I try and take a little bit of part of the game out and try and put it in a training session and then put that back in um, it, it's tough because um, you you can't um, overwork the players because you know you've got a game in, in, in two days time and you played Monday, you're playing Wednesday or you played Sunday and you're playing Wednesday um, it, it's, it's very difficult and I, I think um, you are more about uh, recovery, rest, rehydration, and, and, and just doing enough so that the players are not spending uh, energy. Then you have the weather factor. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy at any level in England. Okay, excellent. So tell us, um, how did your first job in international football come about? Um, it was a... I had one of the... I, was one of the uh, uh, early members of FACA, um, the FA uh, Coaches Association, and um, they had sent a flyer out um, asking if uh, if I was interested, I think they sent it to everybody, um, if I was interested in coaching uh, in Asia. And um, uh, there was a list of around 30 countries, um, and you were asked to fill that out and then if the FA give you a call back, um, they will. If they didn't, they didn't. So uh, that's how the Nepal job came about. Um, 
Um, so then just tell us a little bit about that then your 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 initial experiences in that role <laughs> well it was um, an unbelievable honor um, I must say as as it has been for all national teams to be fair um, but uh, I mean obviously you knew Nepal because of the Himalayas and the Sherpas and the Gurkhas and, and you know what a what a fine people they are tough tough people <laughs> Um, and, and then um, you go there and there's uh, a group of lads who are not very tall by the way, um, didn't have a uh, training kit and um, well anyway, it, 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 was, it was grim but you know I was a national coach and it was, um, it was a fantastic feeling. So what is, the, what is the football landscape like there literally? I mean... Well, they've got they've got um, obviously they've got uh, the local league in Nepal, and uh, most of the games are played in Kathmandu. Um, they love their football. I mean, we we went to the final of the South Asian uh, um, Championships, um, uh, lost one 0 in the final, but um, uh, it was just great. I mean, um, the stadiums were you know when you, when the national team played, they were full, and um, <laughs> it was just. Uh, you go from uh, I don't know three men and a dog at a Bournemouth under 15s, um, or in Cyprus in the fourth division to maybe there was a uh, hundred people at the game, and then you go to a stadium full of tw- uh, full of people, 30,000, um, and you're the national coach, and I keep thinking, wow, is is this really is this really me? And and so how did that? How did your team play? Did you attack with those guys? Were you able to implement well, you know, the attacking are, philosophy? Uh, High altitude in Kathmandu, so <laughs> we we worked pretty hard, and um, we, uh, like I said, we went to the final of uh, the South Asian Championships. Uh, obviously, we weren't going to qualify for the Asian Cup or the uh, uh, or the World Cup, but um, uh, that that's as good as it gets for for Nepal, and um, you know. Uh, we, we, we tried to attack. I mean, um, like I said, uh, in that region, the, the, the India now would probably be the uh, the big team in that region. Um, uh, but when that, that tournament was in Nepal, so it was. Uh, I felt it would be rude not to attack. <laughs> so then, tell us about your next role. How did that came about? The your um, well, the, 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 the uh, noisy neighbours, right? Sorry. The noisy neighbours next door. You went to right. Yeah, but um, that in between the noisy neighbours was um, uh, I, I came back to England um, with the family, and then we had uh, um, I, I went and did a coach educators uh, course, and that's where I met Joe Roach. Okay. Um, and he invited me to Bournemouth, and at the same time in Bournemouth, I was working at Chichester College. Uh, I was running their academy there. Wow. So I would um, I would leave the house about seven. I'd be in Chichester by eight. Uh, stayed down there till about two, um, and then mosey on down to Bournemouth. Uh, get there for about uh, four o'clock, have a cup of tea, get ready for for when the lads came in. Um, and I would leave there about nine nine thirty, and, and get back to Brighton by about eleven eleven thirty, and do the same thing the next day. Wow. Um, not every day, but uh, pretty much every day. And then you had a weekend game with with Bournemouth, so. I, I had that year, year or so after after Nepal before I went to the noisy neighbours, and 
that was uh, that was also um, an unbelievable experience. I mean, um, you know, you go to some of the league games in India between Mumbai and Calcutta, and there's a hundred thousand people in the stadium. Um, my first uh, competition with them was uh, the LG Cup, which was an eight-nation tournament in Vietnam. And we went for two games. I was told we're going for two games uh, to prepare for the uh, uh, Asian Games, which were was in South Korea. Um, but we didn't play two games. We played five games, and we won the LG Cup. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> And then we fly back into Calcutta and there's 10,000 people outside the airport and it took us about two hours to get on the team bus um, and that was amazing. So it was very good. So what's, what were your initial experiences in India? What's the football landscape there when you, you were there the first time around? They had, um, they had 14 to 16 teams in their first division. There was football, um, football was being played. Um, Obviously, the facilities and the uh, conditions for the players and coaches wasn't great. Um, uh, at that time, uh, the boys were taking trains and buses to go to games. Um, they were staying in guest houses, um, and, and this was applicable also to the national team. Um, but I changed. I changed that. I made uh, the federation put us in five-star hotels. I made us. Made them fly us. We had a couple of uh, train trips, I must say, which uh, <laughs> um, quite an event. But um, we changed the things. I managed to get Adidas to sponsor us, um, and since then they've gone on to Nike. So we was able to make a lot of changes uh, at that time, and I had um, you know uh, some very good people in the federation that were were supporting that. So I mean, you can't. You can have all the ideas you want and all the goodwill, but if you're not being supported by the powers that be or the people that pay you, it's always going to be difficult. I mean, and what's the what's the participation like over there? Obviously, we know they're cricket mad country. I mean, where does football fall into that, into the culture there? Well, we played Japan and we had a hundred thousand in the stadium, or close to a hundred thousand, um, in, in a World Cup qualifier. I mean. Um, we played in the SAF Championship in last December. We had forty-five thousand. Um, the games now in the in the Indian Super League um, that has just come up the last couple of years. Uh, the crowds there are quite good. Um, so Indians there, they love their football. They just have not. It, it hasn't been marketed properly, and and, and because cricket is um, a, a game where they they dominate uh, globally. Uh, if you can say globally, I think it's ten teams play cricket. Um, you know, it's um, it's easier for Indians to associate themselves with uh, the cricket team because they win, and and um, the football team doesn't or, or didn't. Um, uh, at the moment, when I arrived, we were 171. We're 35, 135 now. So um, we're 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 climbing, and um, there's a lot of work to be done, but. Um, uh, Indians, uh, they they love their football. So then, obviously, I mean, you 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 left and you've come back again. You're back there in your second stint in India. I mean, what what's what is your what's your hopes and aspirations? I mean, what's your targets for for the country there? Well, um, when I arrived, they were 171. Um, they could not qualify for the. Um, they had to go in pre-qualifiers to qualify for the qualifiers. 
so one of my first uh, 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 jobs, I think, was to change the mindset, um, to start believing in themselves, and, uh, and to try and play good, good, attractive football where you're not going to win every game, but you're going to try and win every game. Uh, and uh, that, that's what we did. And um, I, I think in the two years that I've been there, the results are there for, for, for everyone to see. And uh, I've just been offered an extension, so I must be doing something right. Hmm. So how do you approach the little time you actually get with the players in comparison to team management? I mean, what's, uh, how does that differ? How do you approach that? You know, because you, you have much more condensed time with the players. You, you have to be more specific in, in, in what you do and when you do it. I mean, we can't really waste too much time in, in trying to develop their fitness and, and agility and, and stuff like that. But um, uh, we're having to do that because it's not being done in their clubs. But when you get two or three days, you, you're on a hiding to nothing, really. Um, uh, we've had um, camps where we've had the boys for 10 days, 12 days, and the... the uh, the improvement in their fitness has been incredible, um, but obviously you're not going to get that every time. It's it's really tough. I mean, uh, I do miss club football uh, quite a bit. I, I do like the day-to-day involvement, although I'm quite busy in India. Um, I'm probably on a flight every three or four days, going to see games and players. So, um, but it's not the kind of busy that I that I would want if I had a choice. So, I mean, so how do you cut up your time with the squad? I mean, you talked about developing players. I mean, how much is the majority of work, obviously, is it done in tactics? I mean, do you get much work to work technically with players? Do you get much individual time with players to develop them? No, no. When you get three or four days, uh, or even ten days for that matter, um, you've got to cram in as much as you can. What do we need to be doing? Well, we need to be working on uh, team shape, um, who does what where, set plays, um, uh, those are the two main areas that you, you have to focus on. I think uh, um, you, you can't be messing around teaching them how to trap a ball or, or turn inside or outside. You can't, you can't or you don't have time to, to um, uh, improve their fitness in two or three days. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, and this is, this is the I would say, the bane for most uh, uh, coaches in Asia and Africa. It's not like when you get the boys from Europe, they're in a completely different state of mind and, and mentally and physically than if you get a boy from a, a local league in Asia or a local league in Africa. Um, it's, 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 it's just a different game. And um, the, FIFA, the FIFA rule of uh, now you have nine days where you play two games, yeah, uh, you have the players all in one go. Um, but you've got to play two games in that one go. Um, and again, um, I think when you are a country like uh, Rwanda, for example, where all our players are locally based um, and they are not getting the same quality of coaching or the conditions that, say, an African player in Europe would be getting, it's a different ball game. Um, it, it, the, the nine day or ten day does not help the uh, Asian or African national team players barring the top 10 in each of those continents. So what does it like a, an average get-together look like then if you've got players together for a few days? I mean, what is that? What's the average? What's, what's the general thing? What's, what does that look like in practice? Well, I mean, the players will report on the, on, on, on the day they're supposed to report. Um, 
we will get them all physically tested um, first thing, make sure everyone's fit, um, both physically and mentally. Um, and, and then obviously we, we cut to it. We generally do two sessions a day um, and depending on the time that we have, obviously if you have <laughs> three days before the game, um, you know, you're going to be doing one sessions and, and, and hoping that um, the uh, the time that you've had before translates into, okay, we're not starting from scratch. Last camp we did this, we're going to do this again. Uh, now we might add on a little bit or not, as the case may be. So it's, it's, um, it's really a tough job, but you have to be a lot more specific in, in what you're actually going to coach. And then obviously... Uh, the team meetings, um, we can uh, talk about things and discuss um, certain issues and um, in how we're going to play and what we're going to do. Um, lots of uh, match analysis um, and, and video clips, both on us training, us playing, and obviously what, what the opposition is going to do or try and do. And so would you like how much time would you spend on possession work and how much time would you spend on? work out of possession if you would like to give a rough ratio do you think or would that just vary I, I, I think it varies I mean um, you can play a game 12 against 10 for example whereby you, you overload one side um, obviously to give possession to the other side and, and, and make it that more difficult for the team that doesn't have the ball um, and where do you win it and how do you win it back I mean where when who and why um, the four, the four main, main questions for me. Um, when do we want to win it back? Uh, who are we playing against? Um, where are we playing? And um, you know, we, we, we want we want to defend and attack as a team, um, and, and that takes time. I mean, you know, you you hear. <laughs> I love when I hear some of the the, the, the club coaches saying, you know, well, you need a couple of months to develop and uh, a couple of months to get things right, and they're right. They do. And, um, but when you have a national team, you don't have a couple of months. One day after the next, you have a couple of days, and, and then they're gone, and then they come back two months or three months later, if they come back. Um, it's it's really tough, and I think the the, the national team manager's job is, is uh, um, extremely difficult um, for any number of huge reasons. And so you mentioned the clubs there. What's that like then? Uh, your relationship with the with the clubs and coaches around the around the country and how does that work in practice you getting around you speak to them much you get around to those clubs well, you know it's it's it, it's difficult um, um, obviously I, I, I try to have a relationship with all the coaches but you know uh, India is quite a big place <laughs> it's quite difficult as well um, I, I think most of the coaches uh, like anybody they want they want to protect their players they want their players to be fit for them because their jobs uh, uh, on the line as much as my job's on the line. Um, I don't like to use players who are injured, um, which is why we, we have a complete wellness program uh, as soon as the players come in and they, they do that every single day or before every single session. Um, we talk to them a lot about recovery. Um, they, um, I, I don't want a player to play if he's not 100% fit. I wouldn't want um, I, I've been a club coach as well, and you know I, I don't want my players coming back injured any 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 more than the coaches that send me their players. So we we, we have quite a decent relationship with most of the clubs, and um, 
and I, and I think as long as everybody wants the same thing, which is the players to be fit enough to play for club and country, um, then it's okay. I mean, obviously, you get the nonsense where uh, clubs are telling you the player's injured and, and then the player comes and there's nothing wrong with him. You know, no, no, I'm fine, coach. I, I want to play Gaffer. Um, that, 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 that's, you know, just nonsense, really. I mean... And what do you think, uh, obviously, you had, now we've got the ISL... Um, do you think that's, that's has that any impact with you? And do you think what sort of impact do you think it might have in the future? Look, the the concept of the ISL I think is great, uh, and I think uh, Nidam Bani, who is responsible for setting this up, her intention was to try and help develop Indian football. And to some degrees, yes, um, the impact on the national team has not always been great, simply because their season starts in October and finishes in December. Um, so what that means is that um, uh, you will have uh, generally internationals in uh, March, August, September, October, November. Those are the five uh, dates where there'll be international games. So because the season starts in October, uh, that means that the players in the summer for the, the August fixture, it's generally the last week of August, first week September, they're not doing anything. Um, then you have the problems with the games in September, October, November. Um, because the ISL plays, uh, clubs play every three or four days, um, it's difficult for them to have, they need to have the Indian players. Um, and when you have that, that break of 10 days, 10 days, 10 days, they lose those Indian players. Now, the other side is that there's only five Indian players playing in the game, which is a huge problem for me because um, th that reduces the pool of players I have to pick from. Uh, and we've got players who are not playing in the ISL, who are national team players or have been selected by me for the national team. Um, so that's a huge problem. And then uh, now we have the I-League will start um, on the 7th, uh, uh, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. And they will go till the end of uh, May. So, for me, um, I will probably get the players we have uh, qualifiers in March, end of March. Um, and I will probably get the players for two weeks before that first game, which is um, uh, as good as it gets for me. Um, so, so, it's very difficult. But, look, uh, the Ilanos, the Flora Maludas, Diego Forlans, the Silvestres, Anelkas, and uh, these kind of guys coming to play in, in, in India is huge. Okay, it's a short season, not even a season, it's three months, um, but it has definitely raised uh, the profile of football in India. Um, there's a lot of good things that, is, 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 that are happening because of this. And um, I, the, the plan is, is that 2018, there will be one league, um, six or seven months long season. Um, and there they'll be able to um, obviously respect the FIFA calendar. Um, we didn't have a game in October or November um, this year because of the ISL. So, um, but, you know... <laughs> Look, there's a lot of difficult um, decisions to be made um, going forward, but 
I think I think that um, people have realised that we need one league, we need a longer season, uh, um, and we need more Indian players to be playing. And what, what's the academy structure like out there? What's the uh, youth development? Well, like? we've 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 uh, we've had an under nineteen uh, league. Uh, I think it's this will be the second year. There's an under seventeen. The Indi- the under seventeen World Cup is being held in India in October. Uh, so there's a huge push uh, now on youth development and, and grassroots programs, and you know it's 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 starting to happen. Um, I would like to have seen that happen 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but it is what it is. And um, I, I think the uh, the steps that have been taken in, in the last couple of years have been good ones. Um, we need to keep doing that um, because there's loads of talent in India. It's just a question of finding it. And again, that's why part of the reason why I set up the scouting network is so that we can find players in, in all parts of the country. and. Hopefully, um, uh, we will um, we will be able to you know move forward. But it's 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 starting to happen. And so, um, what is your ultimate ambition then? My ultimate ambition: uh, the ringtone on my telephone is the Champions League ringtone. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, that is one place I would like to go. Um, I would like to coach in the World Cup. Um, I'd like to coach in the Premier League. I'd like to coach in the MLS. Um, and, you know, win the next game. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, look. There's lots of things um, that I would like to do, um, but I have uh, been hugely uh, fortunate so far that I've managed um, six different national teams of India twice, um, and um, I'm not done. So I mean, um, you you are one of the rare success stories. English coaches abroad coaching at a, a high level. There's not that many around. Uh, why do you think that is? Do you think there is there's a stigma around English coaches, or why well, maybe there's not so many good English coaches out there like yourselves having getting jobs out in uh, abroad international? Well, I, I I actually think there are quite a lot of decent English coaches abroad. I mean, Steve Darby's been fantastic. Um, obviously, Paul Clement, and good luck to him at Swansea. Um, Lee Johnson, I mean, uh, the, 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 there's Simon McNenemy, there's, uh, you know, Bob Howe, and, and Roy Hodgson had been out. And, you know, there, there, there is, it's just, it's, um, look, everybody wants to coach and, and, and in England. Uh, England is the epicenter of the universe as far as football is concerned. Whether you think that we play the best football in the world or not, everybody wants to be there. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, uh, I, I, I think there are a lot of good English coaches abroad. Um, but I think, I mean, yeah, I said there's, there's some good ones. I mean, just the, the, maybe not the volume is what I meant. I mean, it's not many. Uh, yeah, look, um, when, you, when, you, when you are working in England uh, at a Premier League club, you're getting the money that you are getting. Um, you are in the place to be. Why would you want to go? I mean, even oh, now, sorry. but even in the Premier League, there's not that many, you know, you've got your, like Tony Poulos, Allardyce, you mentioned Eddie Howe, young English coach. There's not, you know, there's, there's a lot of foreign coaches even in the Premier League, so. Yeah, um, well, I, 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 I think that um, having coached abroad and been abroad for most of my life, I can see, I can see the attraction. 
um, we 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 haven't um, until recently uh, really thought about what other people were doing outside England. Uh, I would say it's only in the last 10-15 years where we suddenly go, oh, hang on a minute, um, why are they doing that? And why aren't we doing this? And, and that, I think that's why we've had uh, a, a huge influx of foreign coaches come in and they've come in and, and they've done pretty well. Um, I can't remember the last time an Englishman won the Premier League was Howard Wilkinson in, yeah. uh, when he was with uh, was Leeds, a, I think. And that's, I think it was the last season, wasn't it, before the Premier League, I think, or even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, should should English coaches be getting more uh, opportunities? Yeah, but um, we only seem to appoint um, ex-former players. We don't look at um, people who have not maybe played in the Football League, whereas outside they do. Right. And so, I mean, coming into that same vein, then, can you tell us a little bit about British coaches abroad? Well, the, 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 the idea of British coaches abroad was um, every time uh, I would apply for a job, either with a national association or a, uh, a club, there would always be um, a German, a French, an Italian, a Spanish, um, now and again Brazilians, but they were all being put forward by their national associations. Now, we, we used to have uh, an international department at the FA, um, Jane, Jane Bateman, and she was absolutely outstanding. Um, I got my job uh, in Nepal because of our, our FA. Our FA took part in this uh, uh, program where they would uh, um, uh, recommend or submit CVs to, to Asia, but um, we, we've stopped doing that, um, but they haven't stopped um, the German. Germany, uh, for example, in Azerbaijan, they have uh, 10 or 12 academies. And 10 of them are German coaches. Mm. Um, there was one English uh, uh, coach. Um, Spain, their coaches are everywhere. Uh, the Portuguese, uh, the Italians, the Dutch. Um, and they're being pushed, actively being pushed by the Federation. So um, if the German Federation can uh, make a memorandum of understanding with India, for example, uh, and then they can say to us, look, we'll send you your technical director or we'll send you your under-17 coach and we'll look after the salary or we'll pay half of the salary. Um, we, we sent Brian Robson and uh, Peter Reed to Thailand. That was it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we haven't done much in the last 10 years from that department. And I think, you know, when uh, when you are trying to 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 show uh, um, British coaches, then our FA should be doing more to support that. Um, the reason I set up the British coaches abroad was for coaches uh, abroad to help other coaches get positions or... or um, a coach is going to come to, to, to India, for example, and he wants uh, help or he needs any help. Steve, you know, um, what, what's the scene in India? And can you help me with this or can you help me with that? Yes, of course. Um, you, you don't know in a couple of years, maybe I want to go to, to Russia. Well, who's in Russia? Well, we had um, uh, uh, Paul Ashworth was coaching in, in that region. So we had somebody. Do we have somebody in Holland? Yes. Do we have somebody? 
and, and I, I made this uh, thing so that the guys could connect uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a website. Uh, Owen Amos has um, been doing the interviews on the website, and you know we've had some fantastic uh, uh, um, uh, um, feedback from that from the coaches and from the people doing the interviews. Um, so so it's 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 been really good. Yeah, Daryl Willard, who you mentioned, who's the Azerbaijan. That's uh, right. Coach, yeah, yeah that he's uh, he, he actually speaks really highly of it. He's uh, said it really helped him in his career. He's uh, you know when he was out in Azerbaijan as academy manager. Yeah, and he did he he he, he did a great job out there. So um, just I know you know you're busy, man. So a couple more last couple of questions. Um, just uh, what advice would you then give to young aspiring coaches? Look, you you have to do your qualifications whether you like them or not. Okay. Um, and what you learn on the course is not necessarily what's going to happen at a club or a national association. That would be the first thing. The second thing, be prepared to go anywhere. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's much easier now than it was when I started out. I mean, I went to Nepal and it was like, <laughs> you know, it was tough. Um, it's a lot easier now with the social media and the, the internet and the Skypes and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it's it's much easier now uh, to go abroad, and there are so many people going. I mean, uh, you you just got to keep knocking on doors. I mean, I I can't tell you the number of uh, emails or, or faxes that I sent to national associations, clubs. Um, no, is not the answer that you want to hear. So just keep uh, just got to keep pushing. I mean, I I get several emails every day asking me, can I help them and I wish I could help everyone. I'll reply to everybody, but I can't help everybody. It's um, um, it's not because I don't want to. It's it's it's, it's um, the competition is fierce, and sometimes it's not always about what you want or what you think. I think what resonates with me that when you talked about your year there in Chichester and Bournemouth, your you know your your twelve, thirteen, fourteen hour days, whatever you're doing there. I mean that's all. That's that's often a part of your your rites of passage, right? As a coach, making your way in the world. I mean, I remember my you know working many hours, several different coaching jobs, just to get my experience and you know and bring the revenue in or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not just about getting your experience; it's about putting food on the table. Yeah. I mean, um, people people sometimes uh, oh he's at Chelsea, oh, free tickets, and he gets to mingle with the players and. You may never see any of those first team players, and they don't give a rat's about you. Um, mm. You're just the first team or a youth team coach, and hi, bye, and that's it. Um, it's, it's it's tough, man. It's, it's it's very tough. And like I said, I mean, youth, youth coaches are the the reason that we are able to do what we do at uh, at the senior level. One last question, because I get a lot of obviously we know uh, a lot of coaches obviously listen to this podcast. They're just, the question I ask is, what's your favourite formation? You had your dream team out. What would you? What, is, what formation would you play in, and why? Four, four, effing two. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, why? Because with and without the ball, the four, four, two covers more of the field than any other system there is. Okay, I like two people attacking the box. Um, I like the ball to go wide. Um, I, I want two players to be attacking the box. I want two midfield players coming in on the edge of the box. Um, I, I just uh, I've played three five two. I've played five three two. I've played four three three, four two three one. Uh, basically, you gotta you gotta do what suits the team. 
there's no point playing 4-4-2 if those two wide guys are not coming back. Uh, or your two guys are not attacking the box. Or you have uh, midfield players who don't want to get on. Um, it's it's uh, Systems don't win games. It's the players. Um, and then you can have a 4-4-2 and you play it slightly different. You might have the second striker drop in. Um, is it a 4-4-2 then? Are you 4-4-2 going forward or are you 4-4-2 without the ball? I mean, uh, it's really not about the system. It's about the players you have and what you tell them you want them to do within that system. Uh, so I, I, I guess um, um, you are fluctuating uh, anywhere between two and three different formations in any given situation. Stephen, thank you very much. Uh... Thanks for your time. Your, your knowledge experience has been fantastic and valuable. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.